Blog Talk Radio. Bringing on live today is welcome to Listen Give Live Radio. We have a wonderful show today. We have Jay Logan who will be coming on shortly. We have Michael Sipkala from the Youth Empowerment Seminar. Today we're talking about the global state of education. Now, this is a show you do not want to miss, and we can always be archived. So if you want to check us out, go to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash listen give. And without further ado, we are bringing on Mr. Jay Logan. Mr. Jay Logan, how are you today? I'm doing here in New York. We're doing very well here in New York. Jay, I don't think we can hear you too well. We know we need to hear your wonderful voice. Okay, is that better? That is much better. So you know we have to hear that voice. So how are you today? I'm doing fine out here. We're having a great, great uh, sports day. We got two teams that are doing very good right now. We got the San Francisco Giants, and we also have the Oakland A's. Both are in the playoffs, and they both have a chance to go on. So the Bay Area is really happy right now. Well, that's really great. Well, Jay, we're going to get started today because we have a wonderful show planned, okay? Is that okay with you, mm-hmm. sir? That's wonderful. So are, are you ready, sir? I am absolutely ready to go. All righty, then. That's the, that's the kind of stuff that makes us really want to groove. Well, you know, Jay, this week we have something called First World Problems, okay? And it's, so, it's really interesting. I got a hold of this video a, a couple of uh, days ago, and it was really interesting, you know, Jay, I think we're having some technical technical difficulties with your phone there. I'm right here. I don't know that we can hear some of the, the, the uh, you know how our, our, our lovely line here, Blog Talk Radio, happens. <laughs> okay. So, you know, uh, one of the things that this video was talking about, Jay, is first world problems anthem. And it was like, you know, we here in the States and in Europe and and in some parts of, you know, um, the first world countries, if you want to say, you know, they're first world and I guess third world, I guess they look at Africa and Brazil and other countries as third world. Well, for us, we think a a phone charger won't reach our bed or the house is too big for just one wireless router, leaving your clothes in the washer too long, okay? That qualifies as first world problems. Well, there was a project that DDB, the agency worldwide, created. They went out to Africa, not Africa, excuse me, Haiti, Jay, and they uh-huh. had the people in the poorest areas of Haiti recite back to us what we thought is a problem. Your clothes are in the washer too long. Oh, we can't, a phone charger won't reach the bed. Our house is too big for one wireless router. So you're looking at this person in a thatched roof house saying to us that something is wrong, um, you know, that something is wrong. 
So these are the problems they're reciting back to us. And then you see their background and you really feel like we really don't have any problems. What do you think about that, Jay? Um, wow. I think that's, um, I mean, you've got two different cultures, you've got two different problems, and uh, I really think that's amazing that they would tell us that those things are the problems. That makes us look like we really don't have any problems. I think that's extraordinary, actually. <laughs> Yeah, it is. So what are we really... what... Exactly. What's what are we complaining about? Yeah, what are we complaining about over here? I mean, they... wow. It, well, is that like kind of making fun of us, kind of? No, it's not. It's to show, no, this whole project is to show that what we think are problems are not problems at all. That quite in fact that they're facing problems that are much more, I mean, are like brown water in the ground that they have to take out every day to drink. And here we're Real drinking bottled water. So really take a look and be thankful and grateful for what we have. Right. Because even the poorest person over here has a cell phone. Right. You know, there are people that don't even have phones in Haiti and other parts of the world. And we take for granted. So first world problems, although it's in two different locales, our problems are not really problems, but what it's trying to say is our problems aren't really problems when we look at other people. Right. So does that answer your question? Yeah, that, that's, that's kind of like, oh, um, I don't have any sugar at my house for my cereal. Well, that's not a problem. Some people don't even have food, so I understand. Yeah, and that's what they're trying to show us, not make, it's like be thankful for what you have because Exactly what you just said. I don't have enough sugar for my cereal. Let me go to my neighbor's house. Well, their neighbor doesn't have any sugar, much less anything else. Wow. So that's what we need to look at. Right. So that, that was very interesting. So now I know that you have something next that you wanted to share with us today. Yeah, I wanted to share um, about should schools uh, deploy tech to keep track of students. You know, and then you have your, your nieces or, you know, my daughter goes to school, and they have ways where they could uh, have a little chip on a student body card, and they could pretty much track your kid anywhere in the school to see if she went to class or where she's at in the school, if she's in the bathroom, or, you know, not just track them on the Internet, but actually track your kids through school or if she went home, is that something that we should do uh, for our children in the United States? What is your, um, I would like to know what your opinion is about uh, tracking your kids at school. You know, I think that what we're telling our children is that we don't trust them. Okay. I think it's, I, because I think that you, you, it's okay, but if you think about it, Jay, when you go too far, right, it doesn't allow the child to have any sense of responsibility for themselves, and it says that we don't have any trust in them. So is that, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, is that a form of bondage? In other words, is that like having shackles? Is that like having shackles on your feet when you're when you're being tracked like that and you kind of have like the dog tags or tags to find wherever you're at? Is that kind of that kind of feeling where you're trapped? Because, I'm, you, you know, know, 
I'm not I'm not really sure, Jay. I would I think that's a little bit extreme. I just think that because of the way truancy is right now in uh-huh. school, kids, whether they're wealthy, middle class, or an urban environment, they are not going to school, they're cutting class or they have to stay home to help take care of younger kids. I mean it's not that easy. You know, a lot of times we're lumping because of the economic things that we're going through. We're lumping together the um, we're, we're kind of lumping that on them, and they feel they feel the extent of that. Okay. But so, when, when, I think, I was, when, I, when we when, when we went to school, we didn't have all of this high tech toys, tracking devices, and we just had to run from the we just had to run from the uh, truant officer. <laughs> I speak for myself. <laughs> so it was a little easier because, you know, as long as we stay away from the hall monitor, we had a hall monitor. His name was Scotty. So we always just say, oh, here comes Scotty. He's coming out of the hall. We better go to class, you know. But now that you got all these tracking devices and automated services that call uh, Jelena's school when she doesn't attend a class, I want to give you this example real quick. Um, Jelena's school said, well, she didn't go to fifth period the other day. Well, she had went to the nurse's office and got a, and got a late slip and went back to class. But it was too late for the automated service. Paul called us and said, "Well, your child was not in fifth period." So when she got home, it was like, "Hey, you know, the school called and said you didn't go to fifth period and you've been bad." But they really made a mistake. So basically, we kind of hurt her feelings because we didn't believe her. And these new tech, tech, high tech devices could cause a lot of problems at the home. So that was one example I wanted to share with the audience that uh, you can't believe everything you hear from an automated service, you know. Yeah, that was very true. And this is where I think that technology is going too far. So we're forcing our children rather than supporting them. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, I, I, you know, kids hear us differently. You know what I mean? You've got to speak mm-hmm. in. To, if, you want, if you want to bring the best out of your your child, you have to first of all listen to them, and they have to have a respect for you, number two. And you have to speak into their listening. Like, what are they listening to? What, you know, motivates them? And, and that's the parent's job to have that partnership at home with their child. So the, the child may, you know, any child is going to see how far they can go or push the envelope. But a child also remembers the values in which that parent and family have instilled in them. So I think that that's, that's really the important piece that we need to look at. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the things, you know, that I wanted to share is that I'm finding um, that many, that's an article that I was reading this week, Jay, speaking of what you're just speaking of. Oh, wait a minute, we have our next guest coming on, and his name is, so uh, folks, we're just about to go into our table topics, and we're going to stop that for now. We have a very special guest. So we've had the Youth Empowerment Seminar on before, and we're bringing on Michael Sitkala. Michael is a teacher for the Youth Empowerment uh, Seminar. And what that is is they teach relaxation techniques and uh, exercise and also uh, some forms of meditation to help kids, you know, connect with themselves get along with their peers, deal with peer pressure, increase their grades. It has phenomenal effects, and we're going to learn many things about it. 
So without further ado, we're going to bring on Mr. Michael Sikala. Michael, how are you today? Hi, Gail. Great. Thank you. How are you? Okay. I'd like to introduce you to the co-host, Mr. Jay Logan. Jay, this is Michael Sikala. Hey, Michael. How are you doing? Hi. Great, Jay. Jay, great. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. Well, we're going to get right into the show, if that's okay with you, Michael. Uh, sure, sure, please. Yeah, I was just listening in, so uh, yeah, continue. Go right ahead. Okay, so for our audience, Jay and, uh, Jay and our audience, Michael is a teacher with the Youth Empowerment Seminar. I've been really speaking with them, and their program for yoga, breathing, and meditation is making an extreme difference in urban schools here in New York City and globally. So, you know, we want to, you know, Michael... Michael, we are in a place now as adults to make a difference with youth in varying mm-hmm. education environments. And as mm-hmm. a teacher at the Youth Empowerment Seminar Program, would you share with us two things? One, what you do for this organization, and two, what differences the YES program and yourself make with youth in New York City and across the world? Sure, Gail, sure. So what we do... Um, the YES program, we're, we're in New York uh, City, the five boroughs locally. Uh, we have programs in Long Island and uh, Newark, New Jersey currently. And then we also have a number of cities uh, nationally, which as of last year there were uh, about 18 schools. So other major cities, Chicago, um, Houston, L.A., and the Bay Area, also had programs. So, so throughout all the, the sites and cities that we have projects, uh, the goal is offering youth practical tools and life skills to manage stress and emotions. Um, it doesn't matter anywhere you go in, in any city in 2012, uh, you'll find young people who are uh, stressed. And as we know, you know, in the news or the media, um, the difficulties that schools face and, uh, you know, young people problems, as you mentioned, uh, bullying and so forth, the uh, you know, lashing out in different ways with negative emotions. So so we bring tools into the school environment to address these things and, and give them directly to the students. We also do uh, programs for the staff and, and faculty uh, to reinforce those uh, benefits with the students. So you can have a, a student who knows how to use the tools in the right situation, but uh, we know that the, the turnover from uh, teachers graduating from university uh, is, you know, only a, sh- a few years, maybe the drop-off rate after about five years, the number of people planning to go into education uh, just burn out from the, you know, high population of classrooms, 30-plus students, uh, the demands on teachers for performance. So we also teach these uh, techniques. When we think about youth, we think about the adults that are, are with them, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day and taking care of them and having them uh, know how to use these tools and techniques to support the young people and encourage them. And uh, you could look at it in a technical aspect about tools for dealing with stress, but really the root of it is to uh, help nourish and nurture the individual and have their character, their strengths shine to bring out the values in each young person, which is in everybody in, you know, in the United States, in any country, you know, friendship, generosity, uh, self-respect, respect for others, 
responsibility. And these are the things that make the community stick together and hold together in the society. But it really comes down to uh, an individual who's stressed out or anxious, angry, frustrated, who is more likely to lash out and, and has a hard time demonstrating those values and, and sharing them and, and, you know, feeling connected to their peers and their community. Um, and the difference, uh, as you asked about what is making, what we see, uh, the results uh, locally in, in Newark and Freeport, Long Island, and the Bronx, we have a school we just started this year, and across the country, we, we see the same results again and again, that uh, spending time with the students, teaching them these techniques, these tools, which can be taught in you know, a, a few hours, an hour a day over a number of weeks and reinforcing it, integrating it into the school culture. Um, the student testimonials usually speak the loudest word. Students, uh, they'll tell us after, you know, practicing some relaxation and, and breathing uh, techniques that they feel like all their problems just went away or they feel like they're, they came in the morning with, something that was bothering them and the, their issues just, you know, they'll say it, feel, it feels like it went to a different person, um, that, they're, that they're on vacation on a beach somewhere and their mind is relaxed. They feel calm and clear and centered. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it, it's reproducible. So, so we can see this in situations again and again uh, going from school to school. And really it's, it's uh, finding the right school and, and the relationship with the staff that, that really wants to embrace these things um, and integrate it into the school um, amongst all the other demands teachers have. Hopefully this is one thing that can help uh, alleviate some of the demands and pressures on schools and help them, you know, perform better because we, we know the staff are dedicated. We know the teachers are dedicated. We know the principals are dedicated. So, so this is something to help everyone uh, perform at a, a more optimal level, but also in a more connected way, um, have a more meaningful experience in, in the school environment. Can you can you honestly? Um, oh, sorry. So I'm sorry there. Can you honestly sure. say, you know, and share with Jay and I, you know, <laughs> where you've actually seen this actually happen? Like, have you seen the results in the schools that you're working in that the, the children's grades are actually getting better? The children's grades are getting better. Uh, anecdotally, we can we can say yes. I know students have been anxious before testing, and uh, they'll come to us and, and tell us, well, I did the breathing before the test. Uh, you know, I, I did the best I had ever done before. Um, it also applies to, you know, athletics where students will practice before their event and have their best time ever for running or swimming. Um, so as far as tracking the uh, data for for the testing, I don't think we've we've set it up in a, you know, like a reproducible survey uh, before and after, but I, I know on an experiential level and, and a subjective level for the students, they've they feel more calm and more centered in taking the testing. And I know the emphasis on a lot of testing and standardization in schools is, is more heavily, but that's something we would like to do is, is to have a, you know, a, a more rigorous um, 
tracking method for the testing before and after. And, and I, I think, again, that comes back to having the, the model school that, you know, that we're working hand-in-hand hand with, you know, b before we arrive and after and during and after. Um, so that's something that we're definitely interested in. But, but uh, subjectively, I think the students' um, experience and their test, they, they feel better about their experiences. Wow. Well, one one of the other things we would definitely like to ask you is, do you do you find that um, this this it helps it helps the children to be more, a lot more well adjusted, and that helps children to be a lot more well adjusted, and also that it supports them, you know, in their overall uh, year at school with their studies in general. You know, before I ask you, have you seen certain things with their studies in their test scores? But have you seen that it helps them to adjust to school life a lot better and interact with their peers and, you know, just interact with their teachers and school and their approach in a much different manner? Yes, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think it does make for uh, a much more well-adjusted student, individual, student body. Um, we we do see that over time, and, uh, again, with the – the investment and the commitment. We'll have schools where we come in for five weeks, but the, the schools that we have a you know horizon over four or five years where we've been working with the staff. Uh, so the incoming freshmen we worked with uh, four years ago at Eastside High in Newark, who uh, just graduated um, last spring. That, that we'll see a shift in those students from the, the time they come in, you know, being sort of the top of the class in junior high and coming in with, uh, you know, a lot of energy and a head full of ideas as freshmen, and then, and then working with them over time. A lot of them do have issues they're bringing in um, from home, from their family life, from outside, from uh, peer pressure, and, and seeing them uh, adjusting, you know, by each situation, uh, you know, that the staff, uh, again, I can only praise them for all the commitment and dedication that they put into the students every day. But but having simple tools, uh, using the breath to calm the mind and the emotions, um, we'll, we'll see students become better adjusted and, you know, speaking for themselves, better able to adjust uh, their reaction, being overreactive in a situation where they might have uh, lashed out or students telling us they, they might have punched somebody, but they stopped for a few seconds and they had an, another choice, another option to use that breath, that breathing technique, because we, we had kind of rehearsed it. We had gone over it in class, if you're feeling angry, this is something you might use, you know. Um, I can't say it's happened in every situation, but it, but it's something that is an intervention uh, in in those things with with the, all the pressures um, from the testing in the classroom, outside of the classroom. I, I definitely know it even going out into the street um, outside of the classroom. This is something that it's a lifelong tool that they do take with them and and come back and tell us uh, time and again that the different situations and scenarios where you know. She even, you know, sitting at home with their brothers and sisters and, you know, I was getting so angry at my brother and I just went to my room and I shut the door and breathed. I was I was about to tell my mom off one more time and um, 
you know, I did the breathing, or I they even was suggest to their mom, you know, their family, their parents, mom, you should try this breathing technique. So, so it it, it does. It's it's very influential in their interactions. Uh, you know, even beyond the school environment. Wow. Yeah, my Yes, Jerry, I believe you had a question for Michael. Yeah, regarding what we're talking about here, does, does any of these kids, um, how long does a session take per day to instruct these kids with this marvelous techniques that you do? How long? How much time do you spend with each kid? Or is it a class or is it an individual thing? Sure, sure. Yeah, we generally uh, work within the class structure within the school day, so it, it can vary you know, most schools anywhere from 45 to 60 minutes in a period, and and that could be any time from two to three times a week to five days a week over the course of a, a month, a month and a half. So we would have, uh, you know, 10, 12 to, you know, 20 hours over the time. And, and some of the, the techniques in, in a way are, you know, very targeted and specific, so we could, you know, share it in a br- very brief amount of time, but it's it's the coming back to it again and again. So, you know, the familiarity, seeing us uh, on a day-to-day basis or a week-to-week basis, it, it does take that time to build up, uh, you know, some trust. And, and what is, you know, what is this thing? What is this guy standing in front of me? He's making weird movements with his arms or this, you know, strange sound coming out of his mouth sounds like Darth Vader or something. So it's, we're building that trust and then, uh, working, you know, in a situation, maybe the student, when we first meet them, there's no issue, but then maybe a couple weeks later, uh, something will happen, and then, you know, again, we're there reintroducing with the with the technique, the breath, so, it, yeah, it's, it can be taught in a very simple time, but then it's also framing it, and, and how these things change their life, and how to, you know, use practical practical knowledge how to be friendly and be open you know often schools get clicky um you know so how to be open to new people and new experiences expanding your comfort zone and and again all of those things they're more difficult when you're stressed and you don't have those techniques so we're expanding you know from the from the tools outward into the application and every area of their life i guess you could say in the classroom but beyond the classroom too now, now, Michael, you know, as adults, we think we know how Hello? Okay. Hello? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael, I just, I might, yeah, Michael, as adults, you know, we think we know how to approach kids of all ages to bring out the best of them. And we find that most of them laugh at us. What, what are we missing? And as someone who frequently works with these kids, how do you teach children the benefits of the YES program, and what approach what, what approach do you use to get through to them? The different. Can you repeat the first the first question? I think I, the connection was a little broken. The, the first part was I, I heard about the benefits um, and how to get through well, to the students. The first part. Well, Jay, if you like, I'll, I'll I'll repeat it for you because I know our recording here is not too great on the, uh, sorry for that Michael. Jay and I uh-huh. usually happen sometimes. What are we Jay is asking what are we missing? And as someone who frequent, frequently works with kids, how do you teach children the benefits of the Yes program and what approach do you use 
to get through to them. Is that correct, Jay? That's absolutely correct. Okay, sure. Um, what are we missing? Well, I, I can't entirely say I have the solution about what we're missing, but I, I do know students, children, you know, young people, um, they learn by observation and experience. So I I think what they uh, learn and also from maybe not necessarily what we're telling them, but from what they see uh, maybe from the adults in their environment, maybe from uh, media and celebrities, maybe from television, um, is how uh, adults are, are dealing with stress and techniques. And when we we'll ask the students, you know, how, how, how do grown-ups deal with stress, you know, they'll say they'll get angry, um, be violent, uh, turn to, you know, drugs or substance abuse, alcohol, um, and... And, you know, and that's something that uh, we as adults, you know, I know for myself, I, I didn't learn until I had already uh, gone through high school, college, and was out working in the world about how to manage my stress. And, and so that was something I was missing that I, I couldn't um, model for young people, you know, because I myself didn't know how to, I had suffered from sort of a, you know, dysthymia, low-level depression since I was a teenager, and, and so that was something that would be difficult for me to model because I didn't know how to do it for myself. Uh, and then once I did learn it and integrate it into my experience, then I can, you know, share with them from, from a place of experience that this is something that I know that does work, and, and I want you to know about it. Um, and in terms of the, the benefits to uh, the students, how to convey that and get that across to them, uh, it, it takes a little skill because, I mean, young people, there's so much um, media and so many things competing for their attention. And I think really it, it's that the young people, they, they really, in a way, are looking out for their own best interest. And if you can appeal to them and in, in what does interest them. So I don't uh, know that what that is when I walk into a classroom. But, you know, given time, if they feel it's a safe environment, they'll share what's interesting to them. And if they're into athletics, if they're a singer, uh, if they're an artist, if they like to write, uh, if they want to become a lawyer. And uh, I could pretty confidently say any, anything that someone likes to do, you will do better if you're able to calm yourself, able to center yourself. Um, you have tools to deal with the, you know, the oncoming stresses and growing responsibilities as we get older. But, you know, those things don't get away, uh, go away as we get older, but if you have uh, tools to bring yourself back to center and, you know, have an edge, you know, hopefully everybody would have these things, but, you know, it's even having having that sort of edge over uh, when you're feeling not quite your best, have something to kind of sharpen yourself you know, calm yourself. And, and the students, when they, they see, uh, you know, that we're, that we're being sincere and, and we do want to, you know, genuinely uh, share these things with them for their own benefit, and then they, they'll become interested in their own time. You know, that we, we can't pick the time when they'll decide when they're going to pick it up. Sometimes even the students sitting in the back of the class, you know, the quietest for a few weeks, um, you know, they'll come up later and say, you know, I tried that and it worked. 
you know, it really worked for me, and thank you very much. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's hard to tell, but I think just showing up and, and letting them know that we care is the best thing that we can do, and then they'll decide when they're ready to kind of pick it up. Sorry, that's really amazing. And one of the things, you know, I would like to ask you myself, because I think it really lends to what you're saying, uh, what are some of the solutions you think we can use as an approach to diminishing the academia seen in students today? And how do we motivate the students, Michael? You know, one of the things Jay spoke about earlier is, you know, we as adults think we know how to approach the kids. And we find that they kind of either laugh at us or think, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. So, you know, if they already feel that we don't know how to approach them, you know, one of the things, you know, is that then they get caught up with the wrong crowds or some of the students, you know, could be really good students and then they start hanging with different, a different crowd of people, you know, they might be bullied, whatever. How do we get through to them? to increase their self-esteem, motivate them, and increase their connection to their academics and get them to see how important it is. And, you know, this is where we like to come to the show where we get into a dialogue with you, Michael, about this on something that, you know, might be possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your, what are your yeah. thoughts? Um, yeah, this, that's a great question and a great dialogue. Um and I think we see it kind of going on uh, all over the place. Everyone is uh, thinking about this and trying to offer solutions. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, the young people kind of not taking us seriously, um, that, yeah, that is a reality. Well, you know, you'll come into a classroom and, Again, the students will be like, I don't know you. Who are you? I've never seen you before. And, you know, there there's a... It's a sensitive balance, especially, you know, as young adults are becoming more independent, more mature, that that they're really testing the limits. You know, they're seeing uh, more of the world and that they're really trying to, you know, figure out, you know, what's my path and does this person have my best interests in mind? And, you know, and and sometimes challenging the students is good, but uh, I, I find, you know, and for myself, sometimes we as adults can even take ourselves too seriously. And I I think, you know, coming, I guess you could say in a one way, not necessarily from a position of authority, but uh, just, you know, sharing openly some experiences, you know, that, that we've had or I've had, you know, in my life. And in a way, not really asking anything from them, just saying, you know, to have a conversation, be open, you know, the, that just I want to hear where they're at and hear what's going on for them, um, what's real and true for them. It, does, does any of what I might be sharing or saying even connect or make any sense to them? But but it really is to listen and hear where they're at. Um, and then if something I can share is helpful and valuable, and, and it's like you said, a, a, con- a conversation uh, going back and forth. Um, because they they are very intelligent, and I I think they uh, you know they can weed out when someone's just trying to uh, 
preach or, or talk to them, and they, they probably have had plenty of that in their life. But, you know, for someone, an adult that genuinely uh, listens and cares, and, and maybe for many young people that's not something uh, they, they've been fortunate to have, and, and, and that is unfortunate, but sometimes it's the reality that someone will just really listen to them um, so so as much as possible, just try and uh, show up and meet them where they're at. And, wow, uh, wow. Yeah, can you say that again, Michael, for everyone to hear? Show, can you share that statement again? Uh, sh- sure, sure. Um, it, it seems to me that the best way is to, to show up and, and meet young people where they're at. You know where, where they are in life, and and you just really listen to them, listen to what their experience is, uh, because they they do have incredible wisdom and insight. I mean, even at a very young age, uh, you know, from elementary and middle school, uh, you know, on on through high school, and uh, they're they're very intelligent, observant, and sometimes it's just taking the time to really listen to them and, and sit down instead of talking at them. Jay, what what do you think about this? Jay is a parent, you know, and Michael. Um, I'm not a parent. I wish I really were. Um, but as a parent, Jay, yourself, this question is to both you and Michael. It's a statement and a question. One of the things I find is, you know, mine is opinion, but also what I see in kids today, you know, it's it's really like, for instance, I think partnership with parents are so important. I know that Jay takes his daughter to school every day. My uh, my brother and my sister-in-law take their children to school every day and pick them up, and they're 12, 13, and 15, and they like that. And mm-hmm. I think knowing that that parent has that kind of connection and that partnership, and then, you know, Jay's family is in partnership with him, with his daughter, and also with the school. I think that us having that active interaction with the school, with the teachers, with the child, so the child number one knows that they there's an expectation of them without saying it, and the expectation is to be the best they can be for themselves, mm-hmm. not what we think they should be, what they, mm-hmm. not what we think they should be. You know, do you, Jay, find that that partnership really does support your daughter and and knowing what's going on with her and where she is and, and open dialogue between you and her, Jay, and to you, Michael. I have the same question. As someone who teaches, do you find that this kind of partnership between parent and child is not only is it important, but that it really does support their growth and and um, their academia in school? Could I hear both of your opinions on that? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and I would say that is very important to have that partnership. But also, you must also make sure that you are the father. And because the kid looks up to the adult, so you must make sure to separate that. I mean, we're friends, but I am your father. And at the same time, the kid must have a sense of belief because most kids, the reason why they have a lot of problems is because my daughter, well, you don't believe me enough. You don't believe me enough. And if you don't have that sense of belief and trust, then you'll find your kid will stray away because, you know, she'll feel like, well, you never believed me, so why am I doing what I'm doing? So the partnership and the bond, you're absolutely correct, Gail. You need that, and you need that sense of trust, and you have to believe in your child. Well, can you tell us, Jay, before, before Michael answers, Jay, can you give us one example of how 
the partnership with your daughter and the school and your family has played out? Have you had any instances where maybe your daughter didn't want you to know that she wasn't doing well in school and you were out of town, but maybe you're, or you were in town and she thought you wouldn't know, but the school called you and you really had to have a conversation with her or something like that? Well, I can give an a, a instance where I wish Michael was out here because he, he would have been great at her school. Um, there was a girl there, and she was using a lot of belligerent language, uh, calling my daughter a bunch of names. And after a while, Julina, kind of like any other kid, got to her last wit. So her best friend gave her a piece of deodorant, and what she shouldn't have done, she threw the deodorant at the girl to get her to be quiet. Well, she uh, had detention. Um, the school did not call me. They felt that since Jelena went there and told the story and told the truth, they didn't call me. So they didn't even let me know that she was in detention. But Jelena had came home and told me, hey, I had detention. Daddy, I did this. I did that. But the girl was calling me so many names. And, and I always say sticks and stones or break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Well, names do hurt. And somebody like Michael could have came to the school, and, you know, and that would have been great. For her at that time, because we don't have your your um, resources at our school, Mike, and uh, that's, that's something I wanted to share. But what, what, what was good about that, Gail, is she was truthful that we have the trust, we have the partnership, and even though the school didn't tell me, she did. And I, I appreciate her telling me the truth, and uh, that was the scenario I wanted to share. Is that, Michael, what are your thoughts on yeah. what we've just shared? Uh, yeah, thank you. No, I, I think, I mean, Jay's answer, uh, I mean, talking about trust and, and truthfulness and what what I see in the schools and, and I hear in, in that answer, too, is that the, the parents are really, um, you know, the primary source of, of the values that young people learn and that carries over to the school environment and and. Often, you know, the, the students, what they're uh, embodying, what they're modeling in the school is often what they'll see uh, around them, either from, you know, their their siblings or older adults, um, parents at home. And, uh, yeah, the parents are the, the ones who instill in them that um, conscientiousness, the, the sense of uh, self-control, uh, perseverance in, in face of difficult times and optimism and, uh, you know, being able to turn and trust, uh, you know, someone that they can turn to and trust. So so when those values are nurtured in young people and, and the parent, parents being the primary one, um, th- those character traits and values are the things that uh, get us through those hard times, uh, you know, difficult situations. And, and the, the techniques and the stress management tools are something you could say to, you know, polish, uh, you know, polish off the, the stress or, you know, things that are kind of the dust on the surface. But the, the values are really the core, you know, of, of the character of the, of the child. And, and that comes from the parents, you know, and then secondarily it comes from the school and the community. So the, the parent relationship uh, is the most fundamental and, and it's essential. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah, that's, I can just say that. Wow. Well, you know, I, Michael, we really want to thank you for being on the call with us, okay? And is there anything, literally anything, that you would like to leave our audience with? We would really like to know. Um, sure. I, I guess, uh, I mean, I appreciate the opportunity, uh, Jay and Gail, to be on the show with you. And 
um just the uh, thank you for the time to be here and then the listeners um you know i, I think there is a, a movement in the in the schools with so much of the um maybe negative things that we see in the news and the media, but it's really within our, our power, you know, as uh, people in the community, as parents, um, you know, as adults, and, and really just connecting with our young people. Uh, you know, maybe we don't have the, the techniques or tools about stress management, but it's just anything we can do to nurture those human values and giving students the ability to smile through difficult times. Um, you know, and and help them to encourage other people to smile. So whatever it is that we can do uh, to keep the smile on, on children's faces, uh, you know, we're doing it in our own little way. There's other organizations out there uh, working in the same capacity and same vein. Um, so, yeah, yeah, just it all adds up to, the, you know, greater good and the stress-free and violence-free society where everybody can, you know, live out their dream and, and uh, you know, be connected, be connected and have a community, a, a family together. Okay. Well, you know, I want to say something to you, um, and, I'm, and I'm sure that Jay would like to say something to you as well. You have a beautiful spirit. You know, just in your speaking, I can hear the kindness. And I can imagine that children are interacting with you and like speaking with the other teachers yesterday, Narciso and Harry, that uh, I can only imagine the amazing benefits they receive from you. So thank you for just being who you are. And Jay, is there anything you wanted to say to Michael? Yes, Michael, I have so many more questions, and perhaps another time you can come back on our show. I would like to discuss some of the meditation techniques that Gail told me about that you guys do. But perhaps another time you can come back and share some of that with us. Well, maybe Jay, Michael has like a couple of minutes. We still have a few minutes. Maybe uh, Michael has a minute that he could uh, answer one of your questions. Would that be okay with you, Michael? Oh, sure, sure. I can. Yeah, I can definitely stay on a few more minutes. Okay, Jay, do you have what? a community so that our listeners can get an idea of what one of those questions might be? Sure. I was. I was wondering. Do you share these techniques with some of the kids you work with so they can meditate and you know relax? and use some of these techniques to better themselves. And how would they go about it? Sure, and that sure. Person, Jay, we can hear that part. Oh, and how would they go about it? After, you know, when you know, teaching the kids how to meditate, I would like to know how, how would they go about meditating and learning that technique from you? Sure, sure, definitely. Well, usually with, with the, you know, young people, they're, Full of energy, you know, uh, you know, full of uh, wanting to move around and not sit still. So uh, the first thing is we're just connecting them with the idea of where they get energy from, and these these sources of energy. Uh, one of them being the breath, uh, which is the most immediate, but often the one that we don't think about uh, very much at all. Maybe until we're running for a bus or late, that um, it just happens automatically. We even while we're sleeping, we don't have to think about our breathing. Um, but you know, we we probably heard something about uh, choosing the right foods for energy, getting the proper amount of sleep and exercise to you know help affect our our mood or our level of energy during the day, and then a calm. A meditative mind, a calm state of mind, because when we're agitated and stressed, we we see we don't have that uh, perseverance, that resilience. Our energy does drop. So, so first, identifying that using the breath as a tool 
to increase the energy. And it's something probably most of us have not thought about, but uh, it's so immediate. You know, if, if you ask them how long can you hold your breath and, you know, what can you do with, without the breath, there's nothing um, we don't do that we're not breathing, you know, during that activity. And then the next thing we draw the connection to is that the breath is constantly changing the rhythm of the breathing. So we will notice when you're angry, you know, uh, Jay, what happens to our breath? We ask the students. And and intuitively we know that it it quickens, right? You notice your heart rate gets faster, uh, your chest Mm -hmm. tightens. You know, you kind of have that sort of Hulk uh, heavy breathing going on. And and the same thing if you're sad, you know, if, if you're upset uh, or depressed even. You, you see, just by looking at somebody, you can even tell they have that long, you know, exhalation, drawn out, ah, you know, just heavy breath out. And we know that that, that, somebody, that something's not right. That person is sad. And when we're happiest, when we're feeling light or in, in good company, our breath is very smooth, very even. Or you see like when people are in love in the movies and they just take a deep breath in, ah, you know, just, everything's flowing freely. Um, so these rhythms of breath are changing in response to our emotion all throughout the day, and everything that happens, it's subtle changes, but we often are not told that that uh, changes. It's like a two-way street with traffic, so the the emotion emotion change and then the breath changes. But uh, we do know that you say, what happens when you get angry? What should I do? You know, count to ten, take a deep breath. So so we do know that, but in uh, a way to like really experiment with it, use it um, as a tool, a practical tool to come back to in times when we're not feeling centered, when we're feeling agitated, when we're feeling stressed. And so that's where we start with the students is making those observations about the changes that happen with our body and then using the breath to change the state of the emotions and the change, the state of the mind. And it, it's built into nature. So, you know, it, w- it would be almost impossible to keep the same state of agitation or anger once you change the rhythm of the breath. I wouldn't say it would go away 100%, but it would, it would begin to lessen. And that's just that sort of loosening of that emotion. How, how long, you know, we've spent being upset about something in the past or anxious about something in the future, and how much of our day, you know, is is spent uh, fluctuating from the past or the future? How how many weeks we've been upset about something that happened so long ago, and that emotion is still very present with us. So we can use the breath to start to dislodge uh, some of these you know, emotions. We could, you know, sometimes say negative emotions. They're helpful. You know, anger can be helpful, but sometimes if it sticks around too long, it becomes uh, debilitating. and it, it compromises our performance, our ability to show up for the flow of things that are happening in life. Um, so that's where we start with the students with the breath. And then just uh, from there, bring the attention to the breath, noticing you know, what's happening with it right now? How is my breathing? Uh, and, and then from there, we can even introduce specific techniques. But it, but it's often, you know, it takes a little little bit of uh, staging to get them 
aware of something that we often haven't ever had to think about uh, very much in a conscious way. Well, I want to thank you for that. And, Jay, thank you for bringing that question. Jay, this is my last question for both of you. You know, Jay, I heard you say about your daughter, you know, and I want to bring this to Michael as well. I heard you say about your daughter that when she came home and told you the truth of what she had done and the school had not even shared with you that she was in detention, but she did, all right? When, even though you may have gotten on, on her or, you know, tried to understand it from her side, you acknowledged her for, you know, telling the truth, okay? Would you, Jay and Michael, say it's so important, because this is something that I feel, that that little acknowledgement that comes from the mother or the father, good job, oh, I know that was rough for you, but you did it, or the teacher that says, you know, you know, you're, if you just give this much, you do good. You're doing good. You're right there. You're right there. Come on, you can do it. Do you think that that really motivates that teenager or young person or high school student? I'd just like to hear your feedback from both of you on that. Okay, I'll answer first. I think I think it's like she got to watch a video back over again for what she did because not only did she tell me she realized that she was in the wrong, kind of. You know, she realized. She said, you know, wow, I can't believe I did that, Gail. Uh, why did I do that? Why did, why did I retaliate? Why did I go tell a teacher or a counselor? You know, why did I do that? So she kind of got to, by coming and telling me, not only did she tell the truth about it, she accepted that she was wrong. And um, I think it, it was great for her. I think, and, and I told her, hey, thank you for telling me. I'm glad because I could talk to her about it. We got a closer bond. That partnership got closer. It made us more tight, you know. We were more like partners, and she felt that she can come to me now from now on, and I wasn't just going to go off on her. And uh, I think it's very important. And like you say, with the breath, her, when I was talking to her, her breath was calmer. She probably was afraid at first, but she now she realized that um, she could talk to her parent and uh, she, she could breathe a little easier, Michael. <laughs> mm, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I would, I would, I would uh, agree with that. Just, just having that, you know, parent, that adult in your life, um, whoever that presence is, that can just, you know, the the child, the young person can come back to and just know that it's it's a safe space and it's a a, a relationship that they can count on or depend on in, in difficult times, and you know that the person. Uh, will give uh limits and boundaries and and you know some amount of firmness but but it's all for the you know out of love you know a space of love for the the growth of the child and and for them and you know it's a it's a saying a uh, good job or you know i I know you tried or I think you can do better, but whatever it is coming from that space of love and in that relationship i think um you know can only only support their growth and only nurture them. Uh, and, and it's really such a fundamental thing that hopefully every young person has somebody like that in their life. Um, yeah, so, so those, those, those little comments may seem like nothing, even for as myself, someone coming into a school, uh, you know, I'm only there for a few weeks, I'm a new face, but uh, we can see just sometimes when the student's eyes light up, you know, maybe just on that particular day or, or maybe they didn't hear any, you know, anything positive that week. But um, I, I could probably say it's, you know, 
never a bad idea to give praise to young people, um, you know, and let them know what their strengths are and, and you know, where they can improve too. But, uh, you know, it's it's all kind of keeping them on that right track, on, on that path of becoming, you know, whole and complete adults. Uh, so, yeah, I, I completely agree. So, you know, in closing, I just want to say a few things to parents. What Jay and Michael have shared today about the breathing techniques, we do ask parents not to and, and faculty and teachers not to take this on on your own because what Michael has shared, you may think you have a unique understanding, but there's more to it. So we ask if you're interested, please go to yesempowermentseminar.org. Again, that's yesempowermentseminar.org if you have an interest in working with some of the teachers there. It really is an amazing program. Number two, I just want you to, you know, as Jay and Michael have shared today and as I have shared, these are some of my thoughts in addition to theirs. Number two, parents, when you are going through financial trouble, try as much as you can not to see your ch- let your children see you going through it. Let them have as normal a childhood as possible because what happens is they take on that situation themselves. They go to school with that. They worry. They may even act out to get things that they think they don't have access to. Let them know that what they already have and who they already are is great just the way it is and that they will expound and receive and be abundantly clear more. Let them know that the foundation of who they are is the best person. The the last thing I want to share with our audience and Jay and Michael is that it's so important that as much as we are focusing on young people, that they are people. They have their own sets of thoughts, ideas, and opinions. And as Michael and Jay have clearly shared today, it's important that we listen to them. They're human beings. Not dictate to them what we think that they want to hear. And so so with that saying, I want to just bring up to Michael and Jay that there is something called the Ron Clark Academy in Atlanta. And it's, it's been a show about him as well. But he uses unusual methods and his um, scores are the highest, some of the highest in the nation. So with that said, we're going to talk about that more next week. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for Jay. It's been amazing. This show has been brought to you by Dan Orth of Lounge Renown Records, and we thank him for his sponsorship. And without, uh, without any further ado, we're going to leave out with letting you know that everyone is a treasure by the group Patent Leather. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you.